what is the what's the rules there like what works best when do you say something do you ever say something and like when do you know you got somebody other than you know when he misses it i absolutely do say something uh most mm. most often you walk by them you know i.e gilbert arenas and brown back in the day and you say something that you think will stick with them whether that's don't miss or don't think about it too much too much too much too much <laughs> Welcome to another edition of the CJ McCollum Show. It is currently Monday. We are recording this fresh off a loss to the Utah Jazz. I am at home. Izzy is across from me on his screen. He's also the co-host, if you didn't know, Izzy Gutierrez. Now you know. Um, Izzy, how are you doing, first and foremost? Basically a week into the NBA season, when this podcast comes out, a lot of changes have happened across the league in terms of success, in terms of failures for some teams, so to speak. Fan bases everywhere are in a panic or they're overly <laughs> excited about a few early season victories. Not sure where we fall in that, but where are you at with the season and how are you feeling? I love the beginning of the season. It's one of it's right before, right after the playoffs is my favorite time of year. Figuring out who's going to be good, everything else. Like I was in Bristol, Connecticut, uh, ESPN headquarters. For those who don't know, on Wednesday or yeah, Wednesday, your first game of the season, you had Brooklyn. I go into a Buffalo Wild Wings because I'm pretty sure it's the only place that had the NBA package. And you guys are up 14. You're slinging the ball down court to Zion. Your home opener. He's about to throw it down. The place is about to go nuts before that play ended. And you're not even going to say what happened yet. What are you, what's going through your mind right there? Cause you made the pass on the fast break. Uh, you always think about what you could have done better. And I'm thinking like, did I float the pass too long? Like, you know what I mean? Did I set him mm -hmm. up? And then you watch the replay and it's like, was he fouled? And then you see he got all ball. And you're like, no, no, no. And then you see him fall. And you're like, no. And then you see him slide and then he gets up and he's like, I'm okay. I'm going to be all right. And you just think about all that momentum, all that athleticism, and then that much force, you know, force is times 10 times 20 times 30. When you jump and land, it's something crazy like that. And you just think about his body and it's like, is he going to be all right? And luckily he's going to be okay, but you just feel for him, you know, a guy who's done so much to get back and to have a freak play on a fast break. That's supposed to be an easy two um, in like that is, is very tough. Yeah, he sort of, uh, for those who may not have seen it, he sort of cocked the ball back on the dunk attempt and Jordan Clarkson came back and swiped at it from behind and just caught Zion off balance. He landed what looked like on his lower back. Team's calling it a hip contusion, not that serious, uh, avoided serious injury there, it seems like. But that was one of those games, CJ, where, you know, it's 7 p.m. Eastern time. It started for me. I'm focused for about an hour and 20 minutes before the Dolphins start. And then I'm flipping back and forth. And I'm like, what is going on over here? I didn't realize that Zion was out. I see the lead dwindling and I see him on the bench with only three fouls. What happened in that game? Well, Utah Jazz, first and foremost, they're playing extremely well this season. Uh, a good group of young players mixed with veteran players. A lot of trades have obviously occurred. They still have Mike Conley. They got Jordan Clarkson. They get Laurie Marketing. They got Kelly Olenek, who ends up hitting the game winner. They have a very, very talented team. They get Colin Sexton in a trade. They have a lot of different pieces. They get Vanderbilt at center. Uh, well coached, obviously, and no expectations for this year, right? They get all those draft picks. People kind of, yeah. you know, joke and say that they're in the running for Vic, um, the, the kid out of France who's a surefire first pick in the draft. And then they come out 
win two games in a row, beat us for the third time uh, for the third win of the season in overtime in a, in a you know a highly contested game. But I say also say that they're playing a, a a good style of basketball. You can tell there's fresh air around the building. There's fresh DNA, and there's a lot of players who are hungry and trying to prove themselves. They're trying to show that you know they're not only capable of being. NBA players are capable of being impact NBA players. You look at a guy like Lurie, he's been traded, what, three times? You know I mean? This is his, mm-hmm. third, this is his third team. So he has a a different type of work ethic coming off of the Euro basket to where he's playing aggressive, he's he's playing efficient, and he's showing that the Utah Jazz aren't playing for lottery picks. They're out here trying to win games, and they've shown that they're going to be a, a tough team to beat, especially when they get to go back home again to Utah with the altitude. Well, the players are trying to win games, and I feel like all players are always trying to win games. I don't know if the organization's really celebrating that 3-0 and start right there. Um, but, yeah, you also had Brandon Ingram go out with, uh, I believe, uh, go out with the uh, knocked heads with a teammate and his concussion protocol. Um, that doesn't happen as often in the NBA. Concussion's obviously a hot-button topic in the NFL, but... What uh, what goes through your mind in those scenarios? Like, have you have you even knocked heads very often to that point where you've gotten like your bell rung? Uh, it hasn't happened in a few years. And before that, it was football in Canton, Ohio. But I seen right away when the collision was about to happen, it was a steal. And I thought they were going to hit heads. And I think on the replay, it showed that his hand actually flailed up and hit him right like square in the nose. And it began bleeding right away. And I thought, I wonder if he broke his nose. And then I thought, no, he's probably got a concussion because he kept like blinking his eyes and it was like eyes were watering. And um, he ended up saying he was dizzy and he kind of left the game. But I, I was just thinking he's playing so well. He means so much to our team. And you work so hard to overcome so many things in an offseason. You battle like, you know, nagging injuries throughout training camp. And then you get into the game and literally on a, on a freak accident, loose ball play, like you get hit by one of your teammates. And it's just tough. Unfortunate for us, unfortunate for him. But Luckily, he seems to be trending in the right direction, and um, it could have been a lot worse considering both guys are running blindly, not li- like looking at the ball trying right. to get a steal. So, just thankful that it wasn't worse than what it was, and obviously he'll be back, you know, when when his health permits, and depending on whether or not he has a concussion, will will be determined here shortly. So, what was <laughs> what was this game like for you? Again, a home opener. You lose those two guys for the game. You get to overtime. You mentioned. Um, the game winner, Olenek, who was defending him on that play? I was. Well, <laughs> yeah, like that's that. what I thought. <laughs> I had to think about sure it. You remembered that. I so was like, is, that that game's like, got to be it? like, oh, come on. Come on. I watched, I, watched it, I watched it 12 times. So crazy game. We get down I think down by 19 at 1.17. When I check back in in the fourth quarter, we go on a run. End up tying the game up. Um, I end up turning it over 5.5 seconds left. One of my two turnovers in the night, Jordan Clarkson misses three at the buzzard going overtime score, score. There's back and forth. There's a foul call under a minute left. They shoot free throws. We go back down and score long story short, hit a shot, put us up one, eight, eight seconds left, 8.1, a little less than eight seconds left. They run a play for, for Kelly Olenek at the top of the key, fakes a handoff, fakes a handoff. We switch, switch, switching one through four, one through five. I'm on Kelly Olenek, one dribble left, two dribbles left, stumbles, might have traveled, not sure. <laughs> Goes from high to low, gets the ball to his right hand, and I'm thinking normally I would go for the steal, but they've been calling a lot of fouls. It's the end of the game. He's off balance. Like, you know, I try to go, you know, chest up, hands up. And he hits a tough shot. Credit him for making a tough shot. Underhand scoop right on me. Three seconds left, though. I still got yeah. a chance to to win the game. Missed the running three from about 30, 35 feet. Falling out of bounds. But it's a tough game. And I always say 
the game wasn't one or lost on Kelly Olynyk's play, although I would like to get a stop there. The game was one or lost throughout the 48 minutes of us getting down, not boxing out, giving up a, a three in the corner to end the third quarter going into the fourth. It was the little things that lost us that game, not having intensity and energy, not playing like we were behind, not playing like we were down until we were down and behind. I think those things cost us. But hmm. as a young team, you have to go through those types of games. And you have to lose some of those games in order to win them later on in the season. So hopefully we don't have too many more lessons where there are losses and lessons that we get from wins. Not to harp on it because it's just one game, one play. But Kelly Olynyk's one of those weird, uh, awkward shot makers, right? And when you give him more responsibility on a team like this, then it becomes like, wow, I don't, you don't really know how to cover him sometimes, right? He's going to take and make some weird ones. Yeah, Kelly is a very skilled player. He's in my draft class. He's one of the guys that hoops in the summertime with a backwards cap on. Shout yep, out to yep. Kelly for the backwards cap. But um, I'm very disappointed um that he scored the game winner and it, i was guarding him like that's something that's going to eat at me because you know i take i take this game very seriously both ends of the court and you never want to be in that position defensively but it's a part of the game and if you can score on people sometimes you're going to get scored on and as the saying goes you can play good defense uh and there could be better offense and i think that was yeah. the case in this situation. But, yeah, he, he can shoot the ball, man. He was shooting 80% from three going into that game. I think he was um, eight of ten from three heading into that game. That shows you the consistency, the reps that he's getting, but also the volume. And that's one of the things that makes Utah such a unique team is, you know, they got four guys in their starting lineup that can all shoot at a high level from deep beyond the arc. They find matchups. Jordan Clarkson's passing much better this season. And obviously he can score. And then you got a guy like Larry Markinen who's aggressive and he's hungry and he's proven that he can do more than what he's done in past years. Yeah, it can still get better. Um, I'm gonna we're gonna get off of your team eventually and uh get to the rest of the league, but you just got one of the more intriguing teams in the league. Um, and there was one specific uh three-game stretch for Jonas Valanciunas, the first games of the year. He's got a PER of 35.56. He had a 30 and 17 game with four assists. Um passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. I looked it up just to see, you know, how close that was to his best game ever. And he's got a lot of hefty numbers out there. I think he had like a 39 and 24 game once. Um, what does, what's your, what's the first week been like for you? And then with just uh, JV, like, and, and, and Zion, the way they just gobble up offensive rebounds, like how much, can you still just 
just eat up teams in the paint these days in, in the NBA and just, you know, kill teams that way? Yeah, it's funny. We haven't been shooting well from three. And by we, I mean me as well. <laughs> I'm shooting 30% from three, which is a good, by far a career low. Obviously, three games is a small sample size. Been getting great looks, just haven't been making them. But we've been dominating in the paint, in the mid-range, and our guys have been rebounding considerably more than other teams. Like, we're, you know, double, triple on the rebounds. Offensive rebounds, we're getting second chance points. And JV's a monster, like you said before. He's so efficient and effective around the basket. He can make free throws. He knows how to draw fouls. And he has great touch where you see him tipping the ball, tipping the ball, tipping yeah. the ball, finding it and being able to position himself really well, which is something that we're going to need throughout the season. And him and Z have done a great job of finding their spaces on the court. One guy running rim, one guy spacing out, getting to the dunker, which is the area right outside the basket to where you're not necessarily in the paint, but you're available for drives and kicks or drives and drops, as we like to call it. I think that's the the key for us is continuing to figure out spacing and maneuvering in these spaces, understanding that we've had a short training camp where guys have been in and out. Now we have some guys that may be injured again, so it's hard to gain that chemistry and that consistent camaraderie on the court, we're getting it off the court, but being able to play minutes on the court will be helpful for us. And I think for me personally, just continuing to, to have a good assist to turnover ratio, run the team the right way, take and make big shots when we need to, um, mixing in aggressiveness with with strategic game management. I mean, I've always been a great player who can score, but now it's about managing games properly. And I think I'm getting better each night and hopefully we continue to be more effective as a team. I love our pace. Defensive rating is, is really solid three games into the season. And I like how we approached our preparation so far. How long, I'm not going to really talk about it too much, but how long would you say you've been adjusting to that sort of lead guard, lead the way? Uh, was it from last year after the trade or is it just more right now this season, uh, that approach? Well, last year after the trade, I knew I was going to be playing some point guard at some point. I just needed to learn the offense, getting traded on, you know, one day and, and playing a game four days later after um, literally landing. I landed and went to shoot around and that was my first time. Being with the team was when I played mm. against the Miami Heat that night, ironically. <laughs> uh, but I knew it was only a matter of time. It was just more so about learning the offense, learning the spacing, learning guys' tendencies. What do guys like to do? Who likes to drive? Who likes to cut? Who's the shooter? Who's comfortable in what space? And now this year, it's more of the same, adding in Z, right? Like adding in, you know, a planet, if you will, <laughs> to, to the offense. It, it changes things because you have to always be aware of where they're at, making sure they're getting their touches, but also making sure that you're able to still be your best self. I think that's the important part of basketball is being able to give to others so that you can empower them and make them better, but also being able to figure out ways to continue to, to be the best version of yourself. And I think I've mastered that historically throughout my career playing with another planet and Damien, you have to be able to score. You got to be able to pass. You got to be able to play a role. And I think for us, it's just consistently growing together. Being on the court with B.I. him together at the same time is, is new for all of us because I'm new to this team and they're new to the status that they're currently at. And what we're, where we're currently at as a team is different than where New Orleans has been in past years for Brandon and in past years for Z as well. I like planet Z. That's got to stick somehow. Right. Uh, so move, you you mentioned that your team's already got sort of the camaraderie going uh, off the floor. Um, you had a, a two game road trip to start off. What what's been the what's that been like early on? What's the plane rides been like? What have you guys been talking about? The plane rides have been really dope um, because the the team is so close, right? Everybody gets along so well. You know, music's playing. Got guys playing cards. Got guys talking about 
the food. We also got these Normatec goes, and this isn't like a sponsored shout out. Like these things are pretty cool. Huh. Like they're not paying me. Never heard of them. So Normatec is basically the, they like, I don't know, you call them like the legs, the giant legs that you put on. You see guys kind of zipping up. And oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Good for the blood flow, recovery, all those types of things. Yeah, it sort of they, pressurizes and then releases, pressurizes mm-hmm. and releases. Right. Okay. Yep. So they have these Normatec goes like, I think John Morant has the commercial on TV where you could just like put them on your, your, your calf for like 30 minutes. So you got guys doing that. You got guys using the Mark Pro, which is basically electric stem um, mm-hmm. that contracts indeed contracts the muscle, kind of shocks the muscle to kind of help you speed up recovery. So you got guys who are doing recovery stuff. You got guys who are eating, playing cards. You got me watching League Pass and getting recovery. And I think the the talk around you know the team right now is just about the rest of the NBA. Everybody's watching games. Everybody's talking about different games, different matchups, how players are playing, who's back in the league this year. And I think that's just the, the excitement. There wasn't any Draymond Green like worthy news this last right. you know week of basketball, but it was just really, really cool to see matchups. And I thought it was really unfair that, that Memphis played a back-to-back against Dallas on national television. I was like, come on, Ja drops 49. He gets rewarded with a back-to-back against Luka. Like, <laughs> yeah, that, I mean, that was a nasty little uh, schedule loss right there. You know what I was realizing before the season started? There's like <clears throat> two or three of you, three of you guys that touched 30 on this team, right? Or just two. Uh, uh, you and GT, JV and then G- Garrett Temple. That's the, uh, yep. the who he played for veteran. Garrett Temple, uh, <laughs> what uh, what does that do? Like, how how do you have like you got twenty one year olds, you got a nineteen year old on there? That sort mm-hmm. of variety in the locker room. Do you sort of take any um, ownership in just being able to to m- merge everybody together and all the different age groups and everything? Yeah, I think. For, first of all, I don't know a lot of these rappers that they're listening to nowadays. So I'm like, who's this? Uh, <laughs> let's put on some Marvin Gaye. But um, <laughs> I think the the cool part is that. We all are young, but a lot of us have old souls. Like Herb is like forty-five at heart. You know what I mean? Like he's super. You have young. to be if you go by Herb. Like you can't just be this cool twenty-two-year-old going by Herb Jones. <laughs> super young. For instance, I was getting a massage today by our massage therapist, and she's like, "This is a Herb-inspired playlist," and it was all, all smooth jazz, like smooth mm-hmm. jazz, old school, um, like giving off Aretha Franklin vibes. Like you had Teddy P, like super, super smooth, like old school. But I say all this to say that I'm just myself, right? I'm, I'm real laid back. I like to go out to eat, I like to go to the nice dinners, things of that nature. And um, last night after we lost to Utah, I went out to eat. I went to Sophia's Italian restaurant um, off Magazine Street, downtown New Orleans. And Jose was there. Um, mm-hmm. And obviously, Jose's a younger player. So that kind of tells you, like, how guys get down. You know, a guy in his 22nd year in the league, going to eat at an Italian restaurant after the game with his family. Griff, our GM, or Griff, our um, president of basketball operations, was also there with his family. And, and I was there with my with, with my wife um, and my father and this girl. So it was just like, you know, I'm 30. You know, got a 20-year-old. You got you know, my dad, 60-something. Like, we're all coexisting in the same spaces because one thing we all like to do is eat. Right. So yeah. no matter what city we're in, we, we kind of figure out times so we can go out to eat together, um, depending on who we're with. I might bring some wine or whatever the case may be. But it's funny you asked me that because one of my teammates said, what are you about to go home and do? And I said, I'm about to go home and go to sleep. <laughs> get, ready <for> my son. <laughs> get ready for my son to get up at 7 a.m. Like this doesn't stop. He was like, that's a different life. And I was like, yeah, bro. Real responsibilities. TJ, when a teammate tells you his favorite restaurant is the Cheesecake Factory, what do you do to him? 
<laughs> I take him to uh, an adult restaurant. Seriously, man. <laughs> I feel like anytime a player ever says something like that, the answer is some chain restaurant. I feel like he hasn't been in the league long enough. We really need to talk into And I love Cheesecake Factory, but if you're going to live in certain types of cities, you should definitely explore like homegrown restaurants, local restaurants, and then also just like other establishments that you didn't eat when you were in college. Like try right. something new. Yes. Um, all right. So the rest of the league, you said something interesting before the pod. You mentioned that in Portland, uh, your coaches told you that you could figure out within 10 days or 10 games, rather, who the playoff teams are. Is that right? Yeah. They said historically, based on the statistics, they would kind of break down. Um, strength of schedule obviously would matter. Um, home wins, road, road losses, whatever. But you could go by 10 games, right? You look at the first 10 games of a season, and historically it would tell you who's in position to make the playoffs down the road, right? Like you got five and five, six and four, seven and three. There's a couple teams that'll be eight and two um, who just get off to really good starts. But generally speaking, you can kind of tell who's going to make the playoffs, who's going to be in position to make the playoffs. Now, obviously, you got a team like the Sixers who's 0-3, right? And unless they win six in a row, they'll probably be five and five after 10 games mm -hmm. if they're lucky. But that's a situation in which they have a supernova. And when you have supernovas like, you know, Joel Embiid, this doesn't necessarily play the same role, if you will, because this is a guy who's capable of winning games um, by himself. But I think historically what we've seen is that six and four, you need to be six and four or five and five after 10 games, you know, to okay. have a chance. Because once you dig yourself in too big of a hole, you know how the NBA goes. You start off three and seven, four and six, and it could be downhill from there. So you just have to be able to sustain it. But look at the the Pelicans last season. Yeah. I mean, that's that's one of the things that just uh, when I make predictions, I always just say, like, it doesn't really matter that much because these rosters are going to look different, potentially, at least in the top end, uh, you know, February and March. But you mentioned the Sixers and, and you know, how long it takes to figure things out, et cetera. Um, yeah, they started 0-3. Uh, James Harden got his seemed to have his numbers. When you've got a team with that type of those type of aspirations and in the second game, Joel Embiid doesn't score in the second half, doesn't talk to the media afterward. It's just game two. Like that to me sort of signals something already isn't really, uh, you know, isn't really working out. And so whether it be a fit or whether it just be it's super early. I don't know when you start asking those questions because like James Harden looks like he's pretty close to what he was in Houston, but do he and Joel Embiid classic post player, whatever, do they actually fit to a championship level? I think they're still trying to figure that out uh, even after having played whatever it was half a season last year. Right. I think you absolutely have to ask those questions because of how it looks, right? You got, a guy who led the league in points per game last season, runner-up MVP, not scoring in a half. That's weird, yeah. right? Like not not getting free throws. Like <laughs> you know, what I mean, like that's it's very weird to me because of how dominant he is as a player. So that tells me there's something wrong there. Is whether that's an injury or whether that's the flow of the offense. The second part is him not speaking to the media. Was was it because he was upset, or was it because he just didn't want to speak to what had happened? Like I'm not really sure about that, but I think the overall theme here is that they're too good to be 0-3. The first two losses, whatever, right? Like, you play against the Boston Celtics, you play against Giannis and the Milwaukee Bucks, like, coin flip type games, championship aspirations from both of those teams. Granted, Milwaukee's hurt. They got Giannis. They got role players. They'll figure it yeah. out. That third loss, it's questionable. That's when yeah. you start to ask questions. San Antonio. Because, 
because San Antonio is a team that's rebuilding. That's a team that traded Jonathan Murray. That's a team who doesn't have championship aspirations. So when you lose to a team like them early, that becomes a problem in my eyes, because that shows a lack of focus. Or as Doc said before, they haven't learned how to win yet. They don't deserve to win. And they're not playing like a championship caliber team. And it's really early in the season for you to not be motivated. Um, Is it, so is it a matter of scheme sometimes or cause I guess my question is, can you always make two high quality players fit as somebody who, you know, probably heard these questions a million times over the years in Portland? Can you always make it fit? Is it just a matter of scheme and finding the right combination? Or do you just sometimes have to say, all right, maybe we should try a different combination of player. You can't always make it fit because some some players may have the right games on paper, but not the right attitude or not the right mm-hmm. mindset or not the right personality. And I think all those things kind of factor in. And then you have to look at style of play. Like, does the style of play make sense? Do you need two guys who were very ball dominant on the same team? Sometimes it can work. Like, I've seen it work before. Me and Dame are both two ball dominant guys. But how long does it work? And what's the ceiling? And I think every team has to be honest and look at that. How long will this work? What's our ceiling? If your ceiling is a championship, then you try it out and you try to figure out ways to make it happen. But if your ceiling is not a championship, like the Utah Jazz, for instance, where they looked in it and they were like, we're good, but like, how much better can we get? Are we hitting our heads uh, on our ceiling? Like, have we reached our peak? Is this as good right. as we get? And if that's the case, are we comfortable with this? And I think a lot of teams are starting to look themselves in the mirror and make decisions based on those factors. And I think the Philadelphia 76ers are in a position where they're able to evaluate this entire season. And obviously it's early. Joel has talked about plantar fasciitis. James has talked about how he's in better shape. They're trying to figure out Maxi. Where does he get his touches at? How do we make Tobias happy? We got PJ Tucker here who defends and guards and doesn't care about points, but do we have enough PJ Tuckers? Like they got a lot of stuff they have to figure out. And with three games as a sample size going against two championship caliber teams and one team who's not trying to win a championship, it's hard to judge them. And it's hard to, to gauge them because James is finding himself. And then once he gets comfortable, as we've seen before, he can distribute and score. But then it's about the offense and the flow and people posting about he had 500 dribbles. And it's always yeah. something. It's it's like he can't win. He can't win. It's like the second you start counting his dribbles, man, you know, there's just, you know, it's just going to be somebody <laughs> criticizing him the whole time. You know what I was actually happy to see was I forget which game it was, but. James Harden hitting pull up jumpers like, ah, oh, that feels so normal to see again, like to just play the game, you know, don't just pull up for three and hit layups. It seemed like, it, you know, it was a natural part of his game that he just eliminated for a while from Houston while in Houston. Hey, he had a career high. I think he hit six mid range jumpers, which is a career high for him. And we think about James in Houston. We think about an aggressive 40 and 15, 50 and 10. I think he had a 16, 14 game. You talk about a guy who scored at three levels. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. 
You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Drew Fowles, but he had a different type of burst. He was dunking a lot of those. Yeah. Cross between cross between cross. He was going to get dunks. And I think he's not necessarily dunking those now, but he's showing the ability to still burst and still be able to get by and being able to have the breaks. And I think that's a the sign of age, right? Can you speed up and can you slow down properly? And the same thing goes for our tires and our vehicles, right? As they get older, you don't stop on a dime. You stop at that stop sign or that red light and you kind of eek, eek, yeah. eek, eek up. And I think a lot of guys as they get older, that's how the breaks go. I've been kind of intrigued by that now that you bring it up. The um the deceleration. It's only been sort of a, a noted skill probably since like the teens, right? The 20 teens when when James Harden got moved to, to Houston and people started figuring out, hey, what is his great skill? And that was part of it. Um, how long has that been something that not only you guys like teach or get taught, but like train muscularly for it? Like the right, you know, stopping muscles and everything like that in order to to just perfect that that skill. Yeah. I do a lot of player development work in the in the weight room and off the court where we're working with bands, you know, we're working full body movements, range of movements, motions, jumping with medicine balls, landing, hopping, just kind of putting your body through unnatural movements that you'll naturally go into during a game, right? You, you look at pictures and you'll say, wow, look at my foot. Like, look at the angle of my leg. Like, hmm. How do I, how do I train that? And you have to work on drill specific stuff but also let the body just do what it does where you're doing reading reactive catching balls jumping landing reaching for stuff hopping and as you do that and then you train basketball specific movements my game is predicated on my ability to start and stop like that's how i score i can start Mm -hmm. i can stop i can go 50 i can get to 70 or 80 and i can go back to 60 miles per hour or energy level if you will right, and right. I can still rise up straight and down straight up and down or have a slight fade and I think my ability to have a long career is predicated on ability to play angles ability to manipulate a game and picking and rolls a, a unique handle but shot making ability comes from finding angles but being able to create space with my breaks and I got really good breaks <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's great I've just been uh like uh, intrigued by it for the last several years probably like I said since the mid-teens with with James Harden and I've never heard somebody say it like that but now it's just kind of common language right at least amongst it, the hoopers definitely amongst the hoopers because you see guys that like John ja Morant who are really fast, like super duper fast. But when Ja goes slow to fast and fast to slow, that's when he's most unstoppable. Like when mm-hmm. he's end to end speed, it's just him going to get layups or whatever. But when he plays that pick and roll and he slows down, he holds the defender on his back, he bursts into a stop, into a floater. That's when you know he's thinking the game and he's drilling the game. And he's not mm-hmm. just using his God given. He's using skills with the God given. And uh, well, while we're talking about surprises, we'll uh, wrap that up with your old team, uh, Portland. They started out three and zero as well. What did you? What have you noticed? What have you uh, seen from them so far in that uh, early start? Well, I I love the way Dame's playing. First and foremost, obviously he's he's hitting big shots, but his ability to empower his teammates is starting to show. Anthony hasn't shot the ball extremely well, but he hit a nasty game winner over yeah, that was tough. Bridges right hand hook. That was beautiful. And then in the last game against the Lakers. Uh, off-season acquisition blazers you're welcome uh he was acquired <laughs> because of a pick, a pick that you know i was a part of in the trade uh grant hits the game winning layup shows the athleticism the burst and 
the cool part as I watch from afar is that I know how hard the staff worked. I know how hard the organization worked. So to see them, you know, having some success early after a not so great season, it makes me happy on the inside because I know how much it means to the people there, but they got a top five defense. They're, they're defending Josh Hart. Nurk's playing well. Naj is getting minutes and performing and, you know, Chauncey's Chauncey, the defense is doing a great job in Roy of mixing in zone defenses, mixing in man to man, getting the rotations down, going small, you know, playing Justice Winslow, some at the four and the five. I think the ability to guard multiple positions in the NBA is extremely important. When you get a guy that can guard one through five, like a Larry Nance Jr., it makes your team that much better. You get a guy like Najee Marshall, who we have, we got a guy like Jackson Hayes. We got a lot of guys, Brandon Ingram who can guard one through five Herb Jones, right? Like that makes your team different and takes you to a new level. So happy to see them doing well. Happy to see Dame moving well and um, playing like his normal self. Yeah. And that's, you know, unlike a Utah started out three, you know, that's, see, it feels like a team that can sustain, make playoffs and have some expectations there. But there was a moment at the end of near the end of their game against the Suns where Dame uh, went to DeAndre Ayton before he shot a couple of free throws and asked him, it was a close game, he asked him, said, hey, I just asked him, have you ever been in this situation before? I wanted him to think about it a little bit, and then he ignored me. I felt like he was thinking about it. And so <laughs> he missed the two free throws, and it feels like Damian just said the exact right thing there. What is, uh, what's the rules there? Like, what works best? When do you say something? Do you ever say something? And like, when do you know you got somebody other than, you know, when he misses it? I absolutely do say something. Uh, most... Mm. Most often you walk by them, you know, I.E. Gilbert Arenas and Brown back in the day, and you say something that you think will stick with them, whether that's don't miss or don't think about it too much, too much, too much, too much. Or you just, you know, like for, in Dame's case, he was like, have you ever really been in a situation like this before? Yeah. Like, so then he probably was thinking like, damn, like, have I ever had to shoot game winning free throws? Yeah. And, then, and you started to question like, all right, box out here. We know he'll give us one. You know what I mean? You start to like talk like that to to reinforce n- negative connotations in his mind so that they can kind of hear it and mm-hmm. they start to question themselves. But the people that are truly locked in, they either start talking back to you, like you got me. Oh, hell no. Like I'm about to hit these or like we're playing Brooklyn. And I was like, box out here, box out here. And Kai was like, for what? <laughs> you know what <laughs> I mean? Like, confidence right and i'm like right. we need to work on our habits whether you're gonna make or miss this we have habits that we need to work on to build like for our season but like you know you got players who are confident and will speak to that and other players who will wait till they shoot it and make it and then they'll just look at you and other players will wait till they make both mm. and then they'll look at you like yeah like I where do you stand that. on the guys that do the well-timed twitch right before uh you're releasing the ball I don't like that stuff, man. Like basketball guys don't like it either. Like you either gonna make it or you're gonna miss it. No walking forward, mm-hmm. but before I shoot and all that extra stuff, it's good gamesmanship. Like I admire the gamesmanship, but I think it should be based on merit of understanding that you got makes, you got misses. Things are gonna happen that go well for you. Things are gonna happen that don't go so well for you. At the end of the day, if the guy can shoot, he's gonna make the free throws, and if he can't, he's probably gonna miss. Uh, speaking of guys who know uh, old tricks, Chris Paul. Chris Paul, some of his tricks aren't my favorite. Um, Chris Paul, 11,000 career assists. He's the third player to do it. John Stockton, Jason Kidd. Um, 
as a guard yourself, as somebody who's played against him for so long, I'm just intrigued by Chris Paul because I feel like he's going to be like they could probably do a documentary on him just on some behind the scenes stories about him either trash talking or just uh, yeah setting up some opponents in some ways. What do you um, what do you think of first when you think of Chris Paul? I think a point guard, right? Like a guy who knows how to orchestrate an offense, makes his teammates happy, knows how to get assists, rewards the big fella from running, a mastermind in the pick and roll, and a guy who kept the mid-range shot alive, right? You talk about how the game has evolved. Think about how long you've been covering the game and how it's changed. I've been in the league mm-hmm. 10 years, right? It started off with, you know, the Spurs dynasty, right? When I got in, the Spurs won a championship, and they played through the post. They ran a pick and roll. TP shot mid-range. TD shot mid-range. Kawhi shot mid-range. And they didn't shoot as many threes, right? And now you look at the game and how it's changed to where, you know, Larry came in as, you know, an undersized four. Now he's a backup five. Like, the game is shifting and it's changing. And I think for him to have been able to play through – different errors of the game like he played against d will in utah where it was pick and roll pick and roll pick and roll a lot of middies he played in the era where you had real back to the basket fives and a real four like a almost a seven foot four to now he's playing with cam johnson at the four who played the two in college like the, the fact that he's able to sustain greatness and be able to lead a team at this age in a different era and different time shows you his greatness. And the fact that he's still breaking records is insane. I remember one time, this is when I just started recognizing how even early on in his career, there was an admiration from his peers, right? I was the heat uh, at Pelicans game in new Orleans. And it was Dwayne Wade peak of his powers, really starting to become a leader after I guess Shaq left. And I want to say it was Mario Chalmers, but it was a play early on in the game where they didn't really take Chris Paul very seriously, committed a foul. And I just heard Chris Paul, or I just heard Dwayne Wade say to, I believe again, Mario Chalmers say, come on, man, that's Chris Paul. And I'm like, that's Chris Paul. He hasn't done anything. He's only been here a couple of years, you know, in the league, but they already knew Dwayne already knew this guy is absolutely special. You cannot disrespect him or not even for the slightest just, uh, take him for granted because he's going to make you pay. And I knew back then I was like, man, something about this guy. Everybody recognizes how good he is, even though, you know, again, hasn't made it to a finals, hasn't won a championship yet. It's all just immediate respect. Yeah, I think his knowledge of the game, ability to manipulate a game, the antics, the ability to draw fouls, to run a pick and roll, to rule changes having to be implemented because of his ability to get a rebound and dribble in front of somebody and stop and fall. Right, right. I mean, he's done a lot of things to make this game better and to make you think about this game. Um, So I I would say, I think about the battles with D-Will. I think about how, you know, with the Olympic documentary where they talked about it, you get to see young Chris Paul kind of morph into, you know, mature Chris Paul, morph into arguably the best point guard in the world. And now on the on the back end of his career, still being able to lead a playoff team and go. I think he went 14 for 14 against us in the playoffs, all tough middies like that Crazy. shows you his ability to sustain a high level of play, uh, regardless of the circumstances. So not to project anything uh, too far ahead, but let's just say hypothetically, Chris Paul maybe doesn't win a championship. Um, where would he rank? Uh, on your list when you think of guys best players to not have won a championship That's if a you need some names list. i can throw some names out there for you i mean charles barkley comes to mind right away just because of tnt and how they always talk about how he doesn't have a ring 
right. Um, but he's a bus driver somehow. He's a bus <laughs> driver. I mean, you got Mel. Mel's never won a ring. Mm-hmm. Um, give me some more names. Uh, Carl Malone, Dominique Wilkins, Allen Iverson, John Stockton, uh, Elgin Baylor. Ooh. Uh, throw James Harden, Steve Nash on that list. Reggie Miller. I mean, he's he's amongst them. He's walking in the same rooms as them. He's rubbing shoulders with them. He's top 75 with them, with those guys. So I would say he's in the same room. If he, is he if he's never able to accomplish those things, you'll say John Stockton. You'll say him. You'll say AI because those are amongst the greats. They're all greats in their own right, in their own eras. And some of them span across different eras. Obviously, Dominique. Obviously, Nash. You know, I'm talking about a guy who's won multiple MVPs. Like, yeah. He's in he's in the same room as them. I think he is probably like as much as I hate to say it, like I'd have more fun watching Allen Iverson play at his peak. But I think Chris Paul mastered the game more than Allen Iverson. I would say probably similar to John Stockton, probably better scorer than John Stockton, but also mastered the game as well. So I'll put him ahead of of John Stockton eventually. I think it is just the chance. Like if he would won one by now, we probably would have already putting him against ahead of all those players anyway. And so, uh, yeah, I think he's probably going to be like top three with uh, Barkley and Carl, probably Malone, or maybe even throw Elgin Baylor in there. Those top four is like the best to, to not win one. If, if I don't want to do that to him yet, if he doesn't win one. Well, hopefully he doesn't win one this year, but nah. uh, <laughs> but no, I think you're I think you're spot on. That just it just kind of shows you how hard it is to win a championship, but also how many great players have fought, have worked, have scratched, have clawed, have climbed, and have fallen short. And it's it's not a knock on them; it just shows you how competitive the league is and how hard it is to achieve that one lasting goal. So I got another thing on this uh, sort of Chris Paul point guard conversation as a guard. I don't know if it annoys you or makes you happy, but um. The way I grew up watching basketball, if you pass the ball to a guy, he at most has one dribble into a shot for an assist. All right. At most. These days, it's a whole different element. It just depends on whether the person is like going into a shot when they catch it. It doesn't really matter how many dribbles. I watched this whole clip of a shout out to NBA University on Twitter, a whole clip of like guys getting assists on just plays that last forever. And I'm just curious where you stand on that. Like, obviously, you want your stats to go up, so you're not going to complain about that. But has it been different than what you remember? It's definitely different. I, I haven't benefited that. You know, if you watch the game um, against Utah, I had 12 assists, and I had a couple mm. more that could have been assists because maybe it was a third dribble, maybe it was a second dribble that they felt took too long. Uh-huh. Remind, remind you, I played with Bi, who's got a lot of Kobe in him in terms of he, yeah, you know, triple threat, shimmies first, then that's an assist killer right there, right? Yeah, but it's his bag, so I don't mind it. But I think depending on who's the scores table, who's doing it, you get the assist. And you watch games, and I laugh. You know, you watch the Joker play, right? And he <laughs> yeah, passes, oh, advances the ball. Somebody gets it. They make a crossover and in and out. They take another dribble. They drive it up, and he gets the assist. And I think to yes. myself, he did make the pass, but is that really an assist? And if it is, that's fine. Just make sure that I get that same assist when I'm on the road in Denver, when I'm on the road in Utah, when I'm on the road in Phoenix, I want the same assist. If that's what it is, because that makes the game more fair. But think about this for a second. John Stockton basically had 20,000 assists back when they were doing it like that. Yeah. Yeah. Where it when it was no dribbles. <laughs> exactly. And I mean, he had such a great partner to do it with for so many years. It was like, you know, back a muscle memory essentially but yeah that's sort of the the thing to add to that 
non-breakable record is just like man it's easier to get assists now and that dude still had that number it was crazy but it it does and it's one of the knocks that people have against Jokic because people don't want to some people don't want to give him the respect that, that he deserves for those MVPs and it's so look at these assists that he's getting that I really don't have a huge problem with him in particular because he's obviously a great player I think he deserves what he's gotten but I do get it when people get annoyed with that stuff because it's just like come on you did nothing to assist that man <laughs> right and just to be clear for our listeners out there i'm a mm. joker fan he's a monster mm. he deserves everything he's received and he can really pass the ball so if they give him an assist that was controversial i don't mind because he actually has vision he actually sees the game thinks the game and is a willing passer who prefers to pass like he enjoys getting assists but it's just when they don't keep it consistent that's what kind of pisses me off because it's like yo like i want the same thing like if that's what we're doing <laughs> I wouldn't be a part of that. You got to have a conversation with all the scorers right before the game, regardless of what arena you're in. Um, and then the last thing before we get out of here, since I uh, just want to wrap it around with your teammate again, since we were talking about your team to start and you mentioned Brandon Ingram, I sent you a text after that uh, Nets win to start the season. I said, B.I. looks more like KD than KD does right now. And you just said he's very, very good. Like, uh, I think there's a lot of people who are even surprised he has developed to this level. Um, just give me a quick taste of what we're expect to see from Brandon Ingram this year more the same I think consistent dominance each night three level score better passer than people give him credit for can run a pick and roll you've seen the the post work he's got a mid post game he's got a one leg fade away he can finish around the basket he's shooting threes with more regularity and more comfort um, I, I I think just based on his work ethic alone and how, how serious he takes player development and being an NBA player, that the growth and jumps that he's going to display throughout this season and beyond are going to be unlike anything we've seen in a long time. Yeah, I used to think he would never like fill out. He'd be too skinny and you see him in person. Now he just looks, I mean, he kind of looks like Anthony Davis out there. Just big and looks like you can't can't even come close to contesting his shot. <laughs> no, no chance. He, no one's in the picture. He doesn't see him. Um and he's put on some weight. I looked at his rookie year photos to now. He's put on some weight. He's taken his game in his weight room and in, in this basketball life and journey seriously. So credit to him for developing. All right, CJ, next time we talk, it's going to be uh, Halloween. And now that we've got, uh, I think, a week into the season, we'll probably bring in some uh, some other people to talk with during, throughout the season. But so far, it's uh, been great so far, and the season's going to be awesome. I'm looking forward to it, man. I appreciate you, as always. Looking forward to us getting some more wins. Hopefully, when we speak again, I'll be enjoying some beach time in LA and probably seeing some sunset beach as well. And hopefully we're cruising on into some more victories a la our last road trip.